You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 13 of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your host, Tyler Bell, located in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, just like always, I'm here with my co-host, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, Alec? Oh, not too bad, Ty. How are you? Oh, not too bad. It's been uh, a busy weekend for me, to be honest. Working all weekend, working in the snow and the cold too. Kind of draining, to be honest. But uh, other than that, not too, too bad. Um, heading out to Banff tomorrow, so I'm pretty pretty stoked for that, to be honest. Hone the, uh, the snowboarding skills as much as I can and then just enjoy a nice night out and, and some drinks with some friends. So pretty stoked for that. What's new with you? Oh, not too much, you know, unseasonably warm out here. So it's not like I'll be carving my way down a mountain anytime soon. Like you are there pretty jealous of that, but you know, just a typical weekend for me trying to be a beer league hero. Yeah. How's that going? Pretty easy. Pretty easy. <laughs> you fired up there talking about it before on air. So do you want to get into that at all? Or uh, no, you know? Oh no, people got to let shit go. We're all just trying to go to work the next day. <laughs> get a little heated in beer league hockey. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. That's we're not uh, playing for money. I mean, man. Christ, get over it. <laughs> what what all happened? What what got everybody all fired up? Oh, uh, we just we had a sub on our team. We thought we were gonna be missing a bunch of guys, so we asked a buddy of mine to come play for us, who's a good hockey player, one of the better players in the league. Just you know, Sunday night, casual skate. And then the guy who runs it got all pissy about it because we won like, I don't know, ten two. <laughs> Bit of a stomping, eh? Eh. It's what bad drafting does. Some <laughs> NHL teams have found out, and so did Yellow. Yeah. Some NHL teams like uh, Arizona? Possibly. Possibly. You Whoops. Couple of misses. A couple of misses there, especially uh, high in the draft. Can't have that happen. But uh, before we blabber on too, too well. much. Yeah. Oh, shots fired. But uh, before we get uh, too deep into that, uh, we got tons of game. We got some game reviews here, some game previews coming up too. And then uh, possibly 
tossy in the deep end at some point in this episode and then we got tons of nhl news too in this episode so let's just kick things off with uh the kraken's tough week that they just had um Ooh. yeah it wasn't a wasn't a pretty week and it kind of started off with a um a home game against pittsburgh on uh, monday december 6th and yeah just getting into that one uh we had the german gentleman between the pipes so i mean you got your your top goalie and then Pittsburgh, they had Casey DeSmith, so they had their backup in net, and uh, his numbers aren't uh, too pretty this year either, are they? No, he certainly had a slow start to the season, but I mean, I think his last three or four, he's starting to lock it down, got some low goals against there. I mean, unfortunately, Seattle found that out the tough way. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, And then heading into this one, too, we've seen some more healthy bodies back in the lineup for the Kraken, of course. We had Schwartz back and Eberle after they were gone for a couple of games. So always good when you get your top two scorers back uh, in the lineup. Borgen was also back in the lineup as well. And uh, that would mean Flurry, Cole Lynn, Blackwell, they were all healthy scratches for this one. So. And it wasn't the only big storyline, too. A big revenge game for, for a couple of Kraken in this one. Both Tanev and McCann getting to face off against their former squad. So uh, that was the first time since uh, being expansion drafted slash traded. So pretty exciting for them to uh, face off against their former teammates. I bet they're pretty pumped for that. Oh, I got to think McCann was absolutely just ready to go for this game, given the quote he had. Yeah, do you have the quote popped up at all? Uh, no, but I remember he was just like, they didn't want me, and that's how he took it. You know, they didn't want him. Yeah, took it personal, and you, you use that to kind of get that extra bit of motivation or energy into the lineup, but uh, didn't turn out too well in this game. Um, it was a bad, bad start right off the get-go. It started off with a sloppy clear attempt from the Kraken, and that led to the first goal of the game for jeff carter and the pittsburgh penguins and it was a it was a bit of a weird one he tried to throw uh, the puck out front kind of for a pass and grubauer went to block it with a stick rode off the blade of a stick and into the net so a bit of unluck unlucky play there but uh that's just how the biscuit bounces in hockey sometimes right yeah i mean unfortunately grubauer in that situation he's just a second too late to what he's supposed to really be doing there he is supposed to have his stick in the lane and cutting off the pass coming across from down low there if it comes through the blue paint blue paint that's supposed to be the goalie's responsibility and he was just a second Mm -hmm. slow there to the right play yeah second slow and just didn't have the right angle on a stick either right and that's hockey those bounces happen but um just a couple minutes after that you know, uh, captain said, when's the draw to Dumlin? He finds Gensel, uh, blasts it on net, and then it squeaks by Grubauer just enough for Crosby to tap it home. And that's one Grubauer would definitely love to have back there. That wasn't uh, a shot that should be getting through every time. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the Jake Gensel train just keeps on chugging through Seattle. Yep, and they weren't done there either. Just less than a minute later, Danton Heinen wrists one from the outside of the slot. It kind of takes a small deflection off Carson Soucy, so it kind of knuckle pucks past Grubauer there. But early on, it was 3-0 Pittsburgh, just 5.07 into the game, and that was the end of the night for the German gentleman, Mr. Grubauer, wasn't it? Yeah, and it uh, almost was the end of your fantasy season, or fantasy week too, right there. 
Oh, shots fired. Yeah, I was going to say that too. I was heading into some goalie troubles and yeah, I picked up Grubauer because, you know, he was on the free agency list and I was like, you know what? Kraken have been playing awesome. I'm going to pick him up, uh, you know, hope for the best this week. I knew this Pittsburgh game would be a tough one, but uh, I didn't expect uh, three goals to go in on four shots and give me like a 32 goals against average right off the start of the week. So that was a, that was a big hit to my, my fantasy week for me, but you know, way she goes. Right. And honestly, if it wasn't for, uh, Mr. Joey Decord coming in and making some big saves in the first as well, like it could have been way uglier in the first, it would have been way out of reach. So, you know, and, and it was weird too, despite being down three, nothing after first, uh, Seattle had a 10 to eight shot advantage. So look at that. We got some positives in it. Look at you, Mr. Optimism. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we go into the second period too. And a ref had to leave actually. So a ref left this game. So we were down a ref to start the second. Um, and then Aberly kind of had a good chance. He tipped one off the post early, but then he wasn't done there. He was able to bury his team leading 12th of the season off a beautiful feed from Wenberg. And that would give the crack and a little bit of life in the game. We got a three, one hockey game. Yeah. That's a little bit back into it, you know, but you know what really gets him going is then Seattle gets a power play chance right after. But unfortunately it's against the league's best penalty kill. So they don't even give the crack in anything. And it was Pittsburgh who actually had the best chances. And big Joey Decord had to come up again with terrific breakaway save there. Yeah, that's not something you want to see, especially, you know, right after you get your goal. And, you know, the league's top power play going into this one, Pittsburgh Penguins, or penalty kill, my bad. So you got to give him credit there, but you can't be giving up breakaways either. Um, But good for Joey for making a big save. And... Other than that, it was kind of a pretty low event period after that power play. You know, there's some back and forth chances, but nothing, no like real grade A chances or anything too crazy that happened. Yeah. And then you get, you know, your little revenge line there of Tanev McCann paired up with Geeky and they team up for just about a beautiful goal towards the end of the second. But, you know, you got to Smith in there, tip the pass away, pass attempt away at the last second. What we were hoping Grubauer could have got with the first one there, but I mean, shit happens, bounces, bounce. That could have been a beauty of a tic-tac-toe play, though, eh? Oh, that would have been a gorgeous goal and would have gave them some life um, just before heading into the third period. But uh, that was a really good read by DeSmith there to to read that final pass across his uh, just above his blue paint there and get a stick in front of it and tip it out of play. So uh, nice read from DeSmith for sure on that one. You You could almost sense it, too. Um, so, you know, you get a beautiful play like that on one end, the puck goes the other way. And of course it's Pittsburgh who comes down and scores and not only one, but two more goals in the last two minutes of the second, it's now a five, one lead for Pittsburgh heading into the third. And, you know, you could almost tell just watching the game. It just felt like it was basically over at that point. Yeah, I mean, you can get 3-1 going into the third. That's certainly not a mountain that you want to overcome, but it is doable. But letting two against in the last two minutes there to go down, now you got four goal separation to try and overcome. That's tough. That's a killer. That That is a killer. That's especially, you know, right in the last two minutes like that, you kind of held it uh, all period long. Um, and then just like that too, that just kill you, just kill your momentum. And you could see it in the third period too. Like 
Uh, there were some big saves from Joy Decord on a couple of two-on-ones. And, you know, it's always good to see when uh, any goalie, whether it's your backup or your starter, just battling it out to the final buzzer just shows that, you know, they're committed in the game. And unfortunately, about eight and a half minutes, it would be Gensel once again with an absolutely perfect snipe top shelf. He would make a 6-1 and that would officially put this game away. Yeah, the Kraken would drop it with the final of 6-1 there. And, I mean, just a bad performance from the start, really. 3 nothing, five minutes in. A lot of turnovers early, and it cost them. Yeah, it cost them big time. And they seem to struggle quite a bit, like, whenever they come out of the gate slow like that. Um, you know, obviously giving up three goals on the first four shots or, you know, first five minutes and seven seconds into the game is, you know, never easy to come back from. But this team struggles hard when they get out of the gate slowly like that. So it's something they're going to have to clean up. I thought they did, um, but it's kind of creeping back into their game again. So uh, things you don't want to see, right? Yeah, this team seasons just seem to be a bit of a roller coaster so far. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, they'd get to get an opportunity to redeem themselves a bit, um, facing Winnipeg a couple nights later on the ninth. And just a couple pregame notes heading into the game, too. Uh, the Jets were three and two in their last five. So they were coming off a bad performance against Carolina in their last game, too. I think they only had, what, like 18 shots, lost four two to Carolina. So. Whenever that's the case with a, with a team like Winnipeg, um, you could just kind of count on them trying to bounce back from it uh, with a big performance, right? Yeah, and they definitely did. I mean, they don't want to – they've got to earn themselves the next game and redeem themselves a little bit, and they certainly did that. They brought the heat against the Kraken that night. They did. Um, and the, the big storyline heading into the game, too, we had uh, Captain Geo back in the lineup. So that was exciting. He was gone for six games due to COVID. So to finally get him back in the lineup is huge and get him back uh, with the guys at the dressing room. It's always a big boost. Um, so so that was big. And we would also see uh, Callie Yarncroft, too, back in the lineup as well. Uh, and pretty much, like... I don't know. In my eyes, like, like he's been doing good, but um, he's not a big difference maker this year so far. So, um, you know, it's, it's always good to get those guys back in the lineup, but uh, I, he hasn't been as effective. He's, he's definitely good on the penalty kill and whatnot, but, um, you know, it, it was good to get him back pretty much. <laughs> And, and then, of course, too, it's a revenge game for Mr. Appleton because, uh, you know, he came, uh, he was picked up from the Winnipeg Jets there. Uh, so, you know, money's on the board for him and he's fired up for the game as well, right? Oh, you know, every time you're playing against your former team, you you got a little bit of fuck you to your game. Not that Mason didn't already. Yeah, true. Just a little bit of extra of an edge for him. So that was good. But uh, <laughs> the big storyline, too. How about the anthem just being done on the electric guitar, too, to fire the people up? That guy was just absolutely shred licks, and it, it was awesome. You could see Captain Geo first game back. He was head bobbing back and forth. Uh, just some rock star shit from him, so I love to see it. Yeah, starting to set the tone for the team in game one, baby. Ready, back, mm -hmm. buzzing. Yeah, and an interesting thing, too, we, you know, Yarncroc back in there, uh, he is a good defense player, so we've seen him being uh, 
got put on the line with Yanni Gord and uh, Tanev there, and they got the assignment all game uh, to shut down the Mark Shifley line. So that's that's a huge assignment for them to to deal with all game. Yeah, I mean, Mark Shifley is one of the premier centers in the league. So if you're tasked with shutting him down, it certainly shows what your coach thinks of you as a defensive unit. Yeah, and, you know, he's been struggling this year, but recently he's been a lot better and put back on a line with uh, Kyle Connor uh, and then uh, Blake Wheeler, too. So they kind of put that line back together. It hasn't been uh, together for a little bit. So that's a big line to have to shut down and. Yeah, unfortunately, it was one nothing Winnipeg fairly early in it, too. The Kraken tried a, a reverse play behind their net, and it just got picked off by the veteran Paul Stastny. And he just made a little play out front for a one-timer, and it just rockets past Grubauer there. Yeah, that was some Wiley Vet shit, just reading it on the forecheck coming in. Just perfectly executed. Just, I'll take that. Thank you very much. Oh, look at that. That's an assist. Yeah, just not knowing that he was there either. So a bit of a screw-up from the crack indeed. Uh, just lacking a bit of awareness on that play. And yeah, not long after that, Winnipeg with another strong opportunity. Luke Pierre Dubois uh, was left alone out front, and he smoked the post on what could have been an easy, easily another goal there. So the Kraken were definitely looking sloppy and not up to speed early on. Yeah, but they would manage to get the first power play a game against the league's worst penalty kill, 66%. I mean, no wonder this team has struggled. Good benefit for the Kraken here. They went against the best penalty kill last game. That should have got them ready for this one, though, right? You would think so. Like, you're going against, you know, the the best penalty kill last game, and then you face the worst penalty kill, and 66.2%. Like, are you kidding me? That's trash. What's going on there in, in Winnipeg? That's shocking. I thought to, that would be a lot better with, the players they have, especially, you know, the upgrades they made on D, right? Yeah, I mean, they brought in some decent defensive players mm-hmm. there. and I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubrois is one of the strong, strong young centers in the game. and He showed how good he was under Torts in Columbus there. Talk about a little mm-hmm. bit of a fuck you attitude. They might have had yeah. a few FU matches. But yeah. it might have resulted in Pierre-Luc Dubois having a hat-trick against the Leafs the next game. So it worked. Yeah, yeah, true. That that was pretty crazy in itself. Um, and then, yeah, on that power play chance crack, the Kraken just weren't able to do anything. They weren't able to set up. They'd have no pressure on it. They just threw away that first opportunity. So uh, never good to see. Uh, and But we did see former, uh, former Jet there, Mason Appleton. He had a real nice chance on a breakaway. But uh, it was kind of a bouncing puck too on him there, and he was unable to control it. And he kind of put it wide there. So that would have been a pretty big uh, momentum shifter if that if that one would have found the back and then and he would have buried against his old team. That would have fired the guys up. Yeah, the boys would have certainly been buzzing. But after that, you could see the crack and settle into the game a bit more and certainly find their stride. You know, Winnipeg's a pretty fast team, and it took most of that period to finally match the speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and shots were what ten seven Winnipeg after the first, so they had a bit of an edge there. They they definitely were the better team, um, and but I thought the the Yanni Gord line looked really good. Um, they're not really they didn't really give the the Shifley line any looks in that first period, so credit to them. Um, and then just in the second, we seen a couple nice shifts to start it off. Uh, Kraken would again get another power play, their second of the game. Uh, but once again, it was killed off with no shots on net. 
So that's two power plays on the worst penalty kill and no shots on that. So uh, another bad look there, right? Yeah, but if we're looking straight off percentages, I mean, they missed the first two. Their penalty kills 66% and win. The next power play's got to be a goal. That's just it's math. Be. It's facts. It's math. You do the math. That means they score if they get one more. It's just I mean, I'm not a scientist, math. but I'm not. I'm not a. <laughs> I'll take a look. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a rocket Scientologist. That's for sure. <laughs> rocket appliances. Yeah, but yeah, there's a nice chance from uh, Yanni Gord shortly after it off a nice slick feed from Appleton, and honestly, that was their best chance of the game up to that point. Uh, you know, almost almost burying one, which was really good. And then, yeah, with 11.30 left in the second, Larson would take a holding penalty against Luke Pierre Dubois, and that lethal Winnipeg power play would get their first chance of the game. Um, but it would uh, go away because Luke Pierre Dubois would interfere with Alexiak just 15 seconds into it. So it would open that ice right up for some 4-4. Four and four. Get the fast guys out there. You know, yeah, Winnipeg's got a lot of see. them too. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Connor, he's a pretty quick guy. He's probably yeah, having I a pretty so. good year this year, too. Mm-hmm. But at least we'd see Grubauer come up with a huge glove save in this four-on-four on Logan Stanley, where he just loads up the big one-timer straight down Broadway there. Yeah, the that, that was a beautiful save. He came across, gloved that down, made it look easy. And he had to get across his net pretty quick there. Uh, Stanley was left wide open, and the puck just... Uh, kind of got to him real quickly there and yeah Grubauer came up big there that was good yeah once that ended too you know there was a handful of good moments for the Kraken in the second half of the period where they'd start pushing the pace of the game and we're all over Winnipeg but just lacking that grade a chance to really get the game tied yeah I mean they've done a great in the game they were doing a great job of getting chances in tight around the net too uh it's definitely not for a lack of effort um but they were still down one nothing going into the third, and the third didn't start so pretty. Missed call by the refs, where you see Wheeler high sticks uh, Schwartz there, um, pretty blatantly too, and then Larson just totally bails on on his guy, and uh, his guy was Kyle Connor there, just leaving him wide open, and it was kind of weird that play. You kind of seen Dunn get pulled in. Um, Larson it was, it was a bit of a confusing play um and and Kyle Connor was just left alone there Shifley with the beautiful pass when he drew both those guys in and then just like that two nothing right yeah I mean I think right after Schwartz gets high stick there and no call everyone else on the bench or not on the bench on the ice like it kind of takes you out of the game for a second because you're looking at it, you're like how the fuck do you miss that like it's right in the <laughs> middle of the ice smacks him in the face like you know a couple times by the bar but no, honestly, yeah, Kraken Twitter was blowing up, and uh, we totally understand why. I mean, I was too. I couldn't believe that was a, a missed high stick there. So blatant too, and that could be a TSN turning point of the game right there, right? Like, that would have been their third power play of the game, which, you know, if we're going off uh, our, our math here, that would have been a goal, and it would have been a tie game. But instead, it's 2 nothing, and just just a brutal Brutal sequence of plays there. So tough one, right? Yeah, that's some bullshit. The math says it would have been one, one game. And then who knows anything could have happened, but mm-hmm. you know what did happen? The Kraken got a fucking penalty next. 
Are you shitting me? Boo that man. <laughs> Boo that man. But you know what? They came away unscathed from it, and it was it was all for Grubauer. He was peppered for the two minutes, too. So he was actually, you know, he had a great game, despite, you know, obviously you know, losing this one. But um, And then once again, we would actually see the Kraken get the power play. So the odds say that they have to score here, right? It's just simple science. It only makes sense. But what happens? Nothing really. Nothing really happened. Yeah, they continued to struggle. And it almost just seemed like their power plays were just killing their own momentum in this game. So uh, it was it was tough. Um, and then again, another power play. Technically, their, their fifth power play of the game, if you really count the 15 seconds they would have had at the end of the four-on-four. Four, but I'm, in my eyes, I see it as their fourth power play. So... Again, uh, not much coming off of it. Like halfway through, uh, they took a timeout. And then you, you know your power play struggling when your coach is taking a, a timeout halfway through the power play to try to get one. There's still seven minutes left in the game. So, you know, to be fair, though, they drew up a play and it led to their best chance on the power play all game. So, you know, but credit to Hellebuck. He was just too much for the Kraken to handle there. Yeah, if you're the guy who's sitting there on the second unit getting ready to go for the power play and the first minute goes by, and you're like, all right, here we go. Here's a whistle. We're going to be going. And your coach calls a timeout. Are you just sitting there going, fuck? Yeah, I understand the reasoning there. It was it, it was a bit bit of a weird one. Like, yeah, you're down 2 nothing. You really need a goal there to turn momentum with like seven minutes left in the game. But, um, you know, Anytime you go 0 for 5, technically 0 for 5 against the, the league's worst penalty kill, that is always going to cost you, right? Yeah, I mean, and you know what cost is? Cost us is Kyle Connor, second of the night, five minutes left in the game. This is over. Jets 3 nothing final. I mean, you can't let the league's, or not the league, but he's almost the league scorer. You can't let Winnipeg's leading scorer just all alone like that twice in the game. One with a breakaway, one just in the slot backpedaling like he's picking groceries. Yeah, I did not enjoy that at all. And the Kraken get shut out after only scoring one goal in the previous game too. So uh, you're not going to win hockey games if you can't put the puck in the back of the net. And this was a, another brutal showing for that, especially, like we said, the power play was just horrendous tonight um didn't create any real good any of anything just it just sucked big time to be honest so um it was a tough one for the crack and you know um they didn't play terribly five on five uh you know they held in there against a tough winnipeg team um and you know poor grubauer too he had a fairly decent game he showed up but he just had no no support up front for him so tough one to swallow yeah, he definitely had a good bounce back game after that horrific start against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, and it's frustrating too, like after some of the hockey the Kraken have been playing, and then you get uh, these back to back home losses like that. That's just deflating for this team. Um, and you know they're better than that because they've shown it as of recently against uh, literally the top teams in the league. So, uh, you know, a couple games they wish they could have back for sure. Yeah, they seem to have the old curse of, uh, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs from the last 15 years, being a local-ish guy growing up, watching them, my dad being a super fan. 
he would say they'd fucking beat the teams ahead of them, but they'll lose to everybody below them. And they seem to play a lot more teams below them. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that's how you switch places in the standings or losing the first round. So shots Oops. fired. Um, yeah. And then Saturday night, last night, uh, you know, they, they play their last game at home on their four game homestand. So you, you kind of want to, you know, make a statement before going back on the road here, right? You, you, you've dropped a couple games in a row now, but they had some bad news going into the game. Unfortunately, the COVID bug would once again, bite the Kraken. And this time it was Riley Shahan, assistant coach, Jay Leach and Yanni Gord all placed on COVID protocol before the start of the game. So that's a tough one, right? Yeah, but you know what that means? The Kraken got to call somebody up, right? They do. Who, who'd they call up? Uh, that player would be Alexander True. You know, right after we got on him, pumping his tires a little bit last week, you totally called that, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, You know, we were pumping his tires. Honestly, it... I didn't know when it would happen. I, I figured sooner rather than later. And then, yeah, just like that, we see Alexander True, who's been uh, playing the best hockey out of uh, Seattle crack and organizational players with Charlotte, because of course they're sharing that with another team. So, um, you know, he would get a shot in the game. So congratulations to him for getting the call up and yeah, just go ahead, pump my tires for that. I love it. Just all over it. The man knows mm. what he's talking about people. Slightly. I pretend like I do. But uh, Chris Drieger was back, uh, backing up the, the club or, or Grubauer for this one. So, uh, so that was good to have him back because he's been dealing with his injuries on and off for a while, pretty much all season, it feels like. Um, and, you know, he, we, he wouldn't start, though. Grubauer got his fifth start in a row. What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, it seems to be Hackstall's go-to thing is just playing the shit out of Grubauer. I feel like we talk about this almost every week, at least every <laughs> other. I know. I'm like Drieger, I think what was the last game? I think uh, Detroit, if I'm right. But that was the last time he's seen action. And, you know, of course, something he, he must have something tweaked in his lower body. You know, his legs, his hips, groins. That's, you know, that's the goalie injuries for the most part. But Fifth start in a row, like throw Drieger a start there. Like, let's be honest, that's just ridiculous. I wonder if they're scared he's going to go right back to IR. It seems like every <laughs> other game he plays, he's just hurt something or re-aggravated mm -hmm. what was already hurt. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And I didn't, uh, I was kind of watching my UFC because, you know, 269 was a massive card. I had a pretty sick parlay going. Um Ended up losing on the very last fight for a five-fight parlay, which was a bit of a Oof. heartbreaker. Yep. Oof. That's got to hurt because, you know, I would have, you know, made some pretty nice money on a pretty small bet. Let's just keep it at that. But uh, based on the highlights, like I was still watching back and forth, but based on the highlights, like in the first period, it, it was pretty dead. Not much happened. It, it seemed like, uh, you know, all the action was in the second and third period in this game against Columbus. So, um, and things didn't get much better in the second either for them. The, the, the action wasn't necessarily going the Kraken's way. It was Columbus who would got, get the first goal of the game. Um, and 
it would be Oliver Bjorkstrand who would snipe one off the bar. It started off with a bit of a turnover from Morgan Geeky there. So, uh, again, not a great uh, look for the Kraken in this one, right? No, and I mean, Columbus was kind of all over their zone entries tonight, and you saw it on their second one just a few minutes later. You know, Voracek comes in, drops it to Domi there. He finds a streaking Jack Roslovic just coming into the crease there from the far side. Nice little tag team for a nice passing play. And now it's 2 nothing against the Kraken. Yeah, and yeah, I think we got to give credit where it's due. That's a very nice passing play there. And it's one of those plays where it's almost like a hard low shot by Domi uh, to get it to Roslovic there. And it's just the simple, small redirection just in front of the goal crease uh, to, to change that angle uh, for it to go in. So that's a tough one to stop. So I, I, you know, cannot blame Grubauer for that one. Uh, you know, that's the D's job to be in front there and take away that stick and not allow that to happen. Yeah, but, you know, at least the Kraken would be able to respond with six minutes left and finally get a goal off some weird freaking bounce from McCann. I mean, what a muffin that was just straight up and down again. But at least, you know what? Hey, the Kraken have a goal. They don't ask yeah, how. Yeah, that was, <laughs> they ask how many. And right now it was one in the game, right? So yeah, that was a weird one. Just kind of a, a flubber puck. I don't even know what to call it. It was just floating up in the air, kind of came back down. Uh, you know, you see those from time to time, but you, if you're McCann, you take that goal all day. You take it all day, baby. Exactly. Then of course, though, it's Max Domi getting a breakaway and scoring on the crack and to make it 3-1 and... Let's just talk about this goal for a second. Just just break this goal down for us, Durham, because this should not happen. I mean, when when you're watching there, you've got one Kraken player entering the Columbus zone, and you've got four Blue Jackets on screen. So, by logic, that means off screen, we've got four Kraken players and one Columbus guy, right? I would think so. So that I'm curious how the hell that one Columbus guy happened to get a breakaway straight down the middle of the ice and splits everybody. I mean, that's got to be better communication from everyone in the neutral zone there. You got to shut down the pass through the middle if you're a forward and your D got to be talking. Who's got this guy? You can't get a guy lost in transmission there. Just zero awareness there. No, there was just none. Uh, you cannot let that happen. Like that just looks so easy for Domi to, he had such a huge gap down the middle to take that pass and go in. He untouched. It wasn't even close. Like yeah. That just can't happen. Like absolutely no awareness on the ice at all on that play. So bit of a brain fart. And then to make things work, just worse, just 25 seconds left. Columbus makes it four, one, off another sloppy turnover from the Kraken D. This time it was done with a soft pass attempt. Looked like it went off a skate there. Bjorkstrand takes that puck, goes in for a two-on-one, uh, rips one on the net, and then guess who? Domi with the rebounder with the backdoor tapping. Uh, so another ugly look there for the Kraken, right? And I know we've talked about it before, but how many times has Dunn, like what we've talked about with Dunn, where with him, he makes a mistake, it looks like a big mistake. But what got me thinking there was how many times has he fallen and had a turnover where the other team scored? That's got to be three or four now. 
you, I get it. Like turnovers happen, right? Like look at any game, look at the number of turnovers, look at giveaway numbers. But I swear with Don, like half of his turnovers end up in the back of our net. Um, so I feel like he, he's just really struggled and you know, it's tough because I thought he would bring a bit more offense to his game. Not that he hasn't, but um, it's definitely been a tough go for him uh, to find consistency in his game so far this season, which, you know, he's been a real good player for uh, the blues for a number of years now. And, you know, anytime you're picking him over Vladimir Tarasenko in an expansion draft, like that, there's a reason why, right? Yeah, I mean, you were certainly hoping that he'd be able to step into your top four and not just step in, but step in with authority and be like, I am a top four D in this league. Let me prove it to you. Exactly. That's, you know what, and there's obviously still time. He's still a young player. He's still got time to grow. And, you know, it's still an adjustment period for a lot of these players. But yeah, ugly look, 4-1 heading into the third. Uh you're about to drop your third straight and you've got two goals uh, in what three, six, eight, eight periods. So never a good look, but thank God for the third period because the, the, the Kraken finally woke up and scored some goals. So three forty-two into the third period, the Kraken get their first power play of the game. And it's Donskoy who rips a shot on net and it goes off the ass of Schwartz and in. So that was a great goal. And, you know, when uh, Donskoy has done, done everything that he possibly could, uh, and he still doesn't have a goal to, to prove it or to go for it. So it, it, that's just hilarious that it ended up going off the ass of Schwartz. It was his sixth of the season, too. So um, it just seems like Donskoy just cannot buy a goal. Yeah, that poor guy is just snake bitten. But I mean, I'm sure he doesn't feel that bad since he's just racking up the apples like he lives in an he, orchard. He is. He definitely is. He's racking up those orchard apples for sure. And just 22 seconds later, we see Geeky who scores his, his third of the season and uh, off a nice little rush play there. Great little no look feed from Appleton. And hey, it's Apple with the apple. And just like that, it's uh, just a one goal lead for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Seattle's fucking storming back, baby. And you know what? The Kraken are going to complete this comeback, too. Well, I mean, they're not going to win it yet, but we're going to have a tie fucking game with four minutes left. Because you know who? Vince Dunn's like, I can make up for this. I scored the first goal, basically, or the fourth goal, basically, for Columbus. I'm going to score the fourth goal for Seattle. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely did. He ripped a a nice low shot uh, glove side. And just like you said, nice little redemption there after that brutal giveaway in the second. And like you said, he kind of helped both teams score their fourth goal of the hockey game. So we have a tie game, which is sick. This would go to overtime. Kraken would pick up the point, but it was the Jackets who would take the victory off a goal from Jake Voracek. 5-4 final. And they don't get much easier than that in overtime. Um, what the heck was Joe Hansen doing on that play? Playing for not the Kraken. Screening yeah. through Bauer. Just weird. He he just sunk right into the net there. And all of a sudden, after a couple little passes, uh, Vorchek just has a, a complete lane. And he just 
you could tell right at as right as the goal went in, Grubauer just stared right at him for that two seconds. Was like, what the heck, man? Get out of my way. Like it's a three on three here. Go, you know, play up high, be aggressive on that play. Don't let Voracek get a clean shot like that. But uh that wasn't the case. Jojo kind of screwed that up in overtime, which was unfortunate. But uh, you know, Kraken dropped their third straight after this one. So that's a tough one, right? Yeah, but I mean, credit to the boys for, you know, fighting back in three goal deficit, like we talked about in the Pittsburgh game. Four goals is too much. Three goals, apparently they're like, hey, we can do this, guys. We found a way to secure a point. But I mean, if you're going to drop three games and do stretches like this consistently, one point's not going to matter very much. So what went wrong this week? That's funny. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> um, honestly, it a lot of the times... I've, uh, you know, watched the games. It's the start. These starts have to become better for the Kraken. Whenever they're at home, they have to find a way to win the first period. Uh, they, they seem to have much more momentum if they do that, uh, carried throughout the rest of the game. But the big problem with this team, like, it, it, you know, it just every time they come out to a slow start, it just seems like that consistently uh, plays out throughout the rest of the game. Uh, and it, it just seemed like everybody was a little off to this week. Like the passes weren't there. The communication wasn't there. And you're going to deal with that with how much, uh, you know, Dave Haxtell has been messing with his lines and you're going to have that happen when you have guys out with injuries and COVID and stuff. And I get that. But uh, the one thing that's been lacking is consistency with some of the lines up front and some consistency with the D lines as well. Um, you kind of got to let guys play and find that chemistry together. Um, you look at, you know, the last two weeks of crack and hockey, they've been awesome. They've been exciting, uh, fast pace. It looked, they, you know, looked like a totally different team than the start of the season. And then this week just reminded me so much of the start of the season and always, it, it, you know, it, it was kind of ugly. So, you know, what's your take on it? Man, I think you honestly just nailed it there. They got to find a way to start on time, whether it be getting ready for face-offs, winning those, getting pucks in deep, or goaltending. I mean, it seems like they're not consistent. One starts on time and the other's 10 minutes late. and They got to find a way to make sure everybody's ready to go. Yeah, it's if it's not, you know, if it's not your goaltending costing the game, it's it's the defensive errors. If it's, you know, if it's not a, it's B, you know, if it's not B, it's C it, it, it's, they need all parts of the lineup uh, at the top of their game and competing because that that's that consistency throughout your lineup is, is what you need for everybody to be on the same page and then get you victories. So um, they got a big week coming up though, four games, two different back-to-backs. So let's kind of hop into there. Um, I know, two of these teams we've uh, seen already. So I definitely want to talk a bit more about uh, uh, the two teams here. We haven't. So they start things off next week um, with a game against San Jose. And then the next night uh, they play Anaheim. So that's December 14th and 15th. I believe it's the Tuesday, Wednesday, if I'm correct. And San Jose, a team that we haven't seen yet this year. So uh, give me your thoughts on them. And uh, you know, this, this San Jose team, that's uh been a bit different than what we've seen from the last season here. 
Yeah, I mean, San Jose, they really started hot, right? Like, for a little while, they were at the top of the Pacific there. Things have kind of cooled down. They're tied with Winnipeg for the last wild card spot. But where we're going to find trouble, I think, with Seattle playing against them this week is San Jose's in a pretty big homestand right now, man. Did you see that? No, I actually didn't. Uh, they're on a pretty huge homestand right now. Were they like at the start or at the middle near the end? Seattle will be right in the middle. That'll be their fourth of seven home games in a row. Wow, seven. That's huge. Yeah, That's they've got huge. a nice, uh, nice little schedule there. So, I mean, it's not going to be an easy game for Seattle coming in, right? No, never, especially, you know, you want to do your best to win that first game of a back-to-back too, right? So uh, who do you think starts it? Grubauer, come on. I'm going to go with Drieger. I think they play Grubauer. You know what? That's an interesting one because Grubauer took the loss against Anaheim already this year. Maybe they play Drieger in that one. And then you're right. And then Grubauer takes the, the first game. You definitely got to see both goalies, though. Um, you would hope. I would not. I would not put up with it. I, I will call Coach Hack myself if I have to get uh, Drieger in the lineup. So, um, But let's talk about uh, some of their offense on San Jose. Um, they got uh, one guy who's absolutely going off, who had a real good start to his career uh, a few years back, and that's Timo Meyer. You know, he's off to a hot start right now. He's over a point a game. He's at like 28 points in either like 22 or 23 games, if I remember correctly. So, you know, tell me about this guy a bit, Timo Meyer. Well, you know, he's a guy who was picked up, I think, right around one pick after uh, Willie Nylander there, wasn't he? Was he ninth and Willie was I think eighth? he's ninth. Yeah, ninth overall. So San Jose has got to be loving that pick because he's developed into a nice skating power forward who can shoot and be kind of a dual threat guy off the wing. And he's not afraid to drive the middle of the ice either. He's kind of definitely established himself as the offensive threat in San Jose this season. I mean, Logan mm-hmm. Couture is right there, but they play together yep. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Nice to see a little revival from Eric Carlson too. You know, getting the power play going a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um Carlson definitely resurrecting his career a bit here. Um, you know, obviously he's, he dealt with uh, some injuries, some in Ottawa, uh, dealt with it a lot since being in San Jose as well. So, you know, he's looked a lot better. Thomas Hurdle has been hot as of late. I think he's on a four-game goal-scoring streak right now. So, you know, look out for him as well. Uh, they got you know, I think they're ranked 14th on the power play and then the penalty kill is, is ranked pretty high too. So it's going to come down to who they're, who they're playing in net. Um, James Reimer, who they picked up in the offseason, they have two new goalies, him and Aiden Hill. Uh, Reimer's putting up just some sick numbers for the team. So, uh, you know, if, if we're facing against Reimer that night, then it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one against uh, San Jose. If the, if we're against Aiden Hill, I definitely have a bit more uh, higher hope for the Kraken in that one. But uh, yeah, it should be a battle. It should be a fun game to watch. Yeah, it should be real solid. What worries me is having Anaheim the next night. Yeah, and both these teams, you know, little California road trip in the Pacific Division. So Pacific Division rivals, uh, you know, call it rival if you want we haven't played sharks yet but yeah 
let's hop into the Anaheim Ducks here for a second. They are still killing it. I know they they have the most games played out of any team in the Pacific Division with 29 so far, but they're good for second place in the Pacific Division, 35 points in the 29 games played, 15, 9, and 5 so far. Uh, tell me about this team for a bit. Well, it's their young guys really leading the way, right? Like I'm sure the entire nation saw over the weekend, Zgras oh. and Milano. Where does that rank uh, for best goals ever scored? There's a I don't know. Record. I don't think it's that high. See, I think it was a nice are... and skilled play, but mm-hmm. all the guy did was knock a puck out of the air. Datsuk and Zetterberg mm-hmm. tried it like freaking 13, 14 years ago. And just I was just going to say... I was just going to say, Datsuk's been pulling stuff like that off for, you know, well, you know, tons of years ago, right? Like over a decade ago. So uh, it's not like we haven't seen it before. It's been a little while since I think we've seen an attempt, but, you know, it was still an unreal goal, like to connect on that. And I heard uh, Zgress talking about it too afterwards, how uh, Milano was calling for it. He was yelling Michigan at him. So <laughs> for him to yell Michigan and then pull that off and then, you know, he, he called his shot. That's pretty wild. So credit to Sonny Milano. But like you said, this team's getting carried by their young guys, right? Yeah, it's certainly the young kids leading the way. I mean, Zgress up front, I mean, he might be leading the team in points, is he not? Um. Uh, or I right don't there. think he is. I think, yeah, he's got to be close. I think Getzlaff. I think he's Getzlaff second. and Troy Terry are right Troy there. Troy Terry because... first. Because I just looked yeah. this up. He's a Zegris is a couple points ahead of Getzlaff, and Terry is a couple points ahead of Zegris. Okay, yeah, Zegris has been on a tear as of late. That's true, because Getzlaff was out with uh, some injury problems there. So, um, yeah, look out for him. He might be a, a sneaky little fantasy pickup if if no one has him. And then Drysdale, too. He's been playing quite well as of late as well. So uh, this Anaheim team could be going for it, right? Yeah, I mean, their young kids are really pushing. They've rejuvenated the old guys. Getzlav's putting up the most points or point-per-game race that he's had in a long time, and it's good to see him going again. You know, he was a big-time power forward with smooth hands who could hit you anywhere with a puck. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see him playing strong again. Yeah, definitely a career uh, resurrection going on there. Um, <clears throat> okay, here's an interesting stat. Um, out of all the teams in the Pacific Division, yes, the high-scoring Flames, the high-scoring Oilers, the you know big offense of some of these other teams – Anaheim has scored the most goals out of all those teams. Mind you, they have three more games played than Edmonton, who is second, just a goal behind. And then Calgary's not too, too far back either, but got to give them credit. Anaheim are scoring goals, and you got to expect a high-scoring affair between these two teams again. Uh, they They certainly had that last time, and Anaheim was able to take the victory and their first matchup. So, uh, Let's see. Let's see a bounce back game on the road against Anaheim here. Let's see what the the Kraken can do. Do you have a a score prediction? Oh, I don't know about a score prediction, but I'll be taking the over. <laughs> nope, I asked for it. You got to give me a score prediction. Oh, uh, five three. Five three Kraken. Sweet. I like it. I like it. Go Seattle. Go. <laughs> go Seattle, baby. Um and. 
you know, we, we didn't give one for San Jose either. I'm always terrible at that. I talk about the team and then I never give my score prediction. Uh, uh, this team has to answer. They've been playing better on the road. Um, I'm going to say 3-2. 3-2 Kraken in this tight one. Tight game. Tight game, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a tight game. Uh, it should be a good one. Okay, so that that would wrap up the California road trip. They get a few days off and then back to uh, another back-to-back, but this time it would be at home. Uh, The first one on the Saturday night against Edmonton, uh, who they're getting quite familiar with already, and then the next night facing off against Toronto. So we've talked about Edmonton a couple times already on the podcast, talked about their team, you know, McJesus, Dries Idle, uh, I almost said Drysdale there, there. That would have been that would have been bad. <laughs> that ducks on but, the green. Yeah, exactly. So it's late on a Sunday night on a, a long weekend of work. So bear with me here. Quack, but quack. yeah. <laughs> but honestly, uh, the the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, if you look at the two matchups we had, they had a great first game against us. Uh, I think it was a what five two victory, and then. You know, we stormed back in the second game at home and won 4-3 in one of our best games of the season. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, against Edmonton here, who is a team who has been struggling uh, mainly because of, uh, you know, I think goaltending, but they've been struggling a lot actually as of late. So give me your thoughts on this matchup. Well, I think if I remember correctly, McDavid did not have that many points the second game against us. So I'm kind of expecting him to just pop off. So hooray for that one. But maybe, you know, Edmonton's goaltending will still be shaky enough for us to pop out another W. Yeah, um, I do hear uh, through the grapevine, but no, I'm not the grapevine, just, you know, Sportsnet or whatever, that uh, they're going to be getting Mike Smith back and, the timing for them couldn't be better. This team is four and six in their last 10. And dude, they've lost five games in a row, five games in a row for the Oilers. So we might be catching them at the right time here. Yeah. Unless McDavid just says I've had enough and just goes on six game goal scoring multi-point streak. Yeah. It almost feels like, you know, it's, definitely going to happen but um you never know what 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 to expect right um you know he's the type of player obviously who could just have a five point game out of nowhere six point game so uh we'll see edmonton's been injured on their back end quite a bit so that's definitely hurting them too but um a little bit shocking to see that they have a five game losing streak right now so uh you know we talked a lot about them they're going to be fun. They're one of our bigger division rivals. Uh, they're going to be going forward. I just know it. Um, let's hop into a, a team who they haven't played yet and kind of talk about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, their lineup, and uh, what to expect from this matchup. Jared McCann revenge game. Leafs legend. Yeah, Leafs legend. So Jared McCann, you know, his former squad, I know we mentioned uh, he's a 
former Pittsburgh Penguin, but of course the trade to Toronto, they left him unprotected. And then that's who they took from Toronto, uh, Seattle, of course, in the expansion draft. So uh, big revenge game, but, but uh, give me some, uh, give me your thoughts on this Toronto lineup right now. Uh, obviously they're missing Mitch Marner for uh, a little while. So, you know, obviously they have some big guns. Let's talk about them. Well, I don't think missing Mitch Marner's really made them miss much of a beat. The Toronto Maple Leafs just keep humming along. They're an offensive threat, and it doesn't really matter who's on the ice. Yeah, and what's the biggest difference, do you think, from uh, this team so that we've seen so far and their last few seasons? Um, you know, obviously they've been a top top team in the league in the regular season um, and scoring a lot of goals in the regular season. Um, but Tell me the biggest difference now. They seem like they figured it out defensively this year. I think just from the couple games I've watched them there, they don't, compared to the past, they've always seemed kind of a little bit unsure of themselves, but now they look like they're really asserting themselves on the game. Just, we are going to win this game, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, Matthews had a bit of a slow start. He missed a few games with injury, but man, he's been racking up the goals as of late. And I think John Tavares has had an outstanding start to his season as well. So uh, you got to give them credit where it's due. They're a top team for a reason. And uh, they come in with the second best power play in the league uh, at, well, who knows what it's going to be by the time the game is, but currently it's 30 0.5%. So, you know, between Edmonton and Toronto, those are the top two power plays in the league. So, and then Anaheim, even 25.6%. So this is going to be a tough week for the Kraken's uh, penalty kill with, uh, with those three teams. So um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a big test. That's for sure. Yeah. The PK is definitely going to be put to work unless you just don't take penalties. Yeah, unless you don't take penalties. I mean, we'll see what refs we get here. Um, you know, if we get the one from the Winnipeg game, you take all the high sticks you want because they, they don't get called. So, <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. And get you know, let's just give uh, Jack Campbell credit too. Like, uh, obviously, he got traded there uh, last season or the season before last season, uh, played out the year, had some good numbers. I had outstanding numbers last year and he's continued that this season too. So um, credit to him because he, he's performing at as, as one of the top goalies in the league right now. Yeah. He's certainly playing yeah. at a high level and one that he always knew he was capable of being a high selection to the Dallas stars there. But uh, is he going to find to get there? Is he going to find some starts for uh, the USA? If, uh, the Olympics do perhaps happen. See, I don't, I don't think NHLers are going to go, but if they do, he's got to be one of their three. Yeah. There's some messed up protocols going on in, uh, in China right now, but uh, <laughs> go figure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that a little later. Give us uh, some game predictions here for these two games back at home, uh, the Saturday and Sunday night. Oh, don't shoot me, but they are losing the Saturday night at home game. They haven't won one of those yet. I'll go 6-3 Edmonton just because McDavid's like, fuck this. Okay, okay. Um, 
no love for the crack in there. I get it. Um, I'm going with science. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going with the win against Toronto uh, the next night. Uh, for some reason, they're just going to have a big game against them. So uh, it's going to be a 5-2 win. So um, I know I said last pod that Don Skoy would get two goals. Uh, you know, I don't know if Don Skoy is going to score this season. Uh, that's what it feels <laughs> like. But <laughs> let's say he gets three He's going to finish with game. 48 assists. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he's no on goals. pace for it. He's definitely on pace for that. So uh, that would be that would be crazy. Um, the only closest player right now is like Nugent Hopkins, right? He's he's got like two goals and like twenty some assists, so just wild stuff. But yeah, yeah some great role. hockey, great hockey to to look forward to. So we're we're pumped about that for sure. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting po- partner of the NFL. You'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, Kraken fans, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we had an interesting article coming out on uh, The Athletic, um, courtesy of Ryan Clark, who uh, is the beat writer for the Seattle Kraken. So he sat down for an interview with uh, our GM, Ron Francis. So he asked uh, a couple of questions, some good ones, and one in particular I wanted to touch up on with you here, Durham. Um, and this one was about pending UFA and captain of the team, Mark Giordano. So just going to read a bit of a quote here off that. So he asked, um, Ryan Clark, of course, asks, um, Ron, uh, yeah, Ron Francis here. Um, he asks him, what is the conversation if a contender approaches Francis, um, about captain and veteran defenseman, Mark Giordano, who is in the last year of his contract. And, you know, he replied at this point, it's a hypothetical. So I don't even want to comment on it at this point. Uh, And he continued to say, Mark's been a great leader for us. He's been good in our lineup and it was tough missing him for a couple of weeks. And it was good to get him back on that Thursday. Uh, So that's not something for a discussion today. That's for a discussion down the road. So that's going to lead me into our next segment here, Durham. I am tossing you into the deep end. All right, question number one for you. Does Mark Giordano get traded at the deadline? If so, do they name a next captain? Who would be the next captain? 
Uh, lowered the question here, so give me your thoughts. Question within a question, eh? You cheapskate, trying to get two answers out of one. Yes, um, I am. I I do think Giordano will be traded if the Kraken aren't in the playoff picture. Just because, especially with Calgary having such a sick year, that's obviously going to be the running narrative is trade me back to Calgary. But I think a couple of teams from the East that also might have interest might be Washington or Florida. You know, teams that could really use that veteran push to go for it again on the left side of defense. They don't have a whole lot there. I mean, Florida's got Ekblad and Uyghur, both righties. Giordano could be something that steps in and kind of runs their second unit there if they if need be and be a real safety valve and veteran guy who's been around and had a deep run and pushed. But uh, if I don't, I didn't think they'd name a captain this year, especially with Giordano being a one year up. So I don't know who if they would name another or if that player is even on the roster. Yeah, interesting take. Uh, I definitely like I like how you uh, had some teams kind of in mind there of who he could po- possibly go to and some good fits. I like that uh, Florida take. I think, you know, with what they're building and, and uh, what they got going on, I think a, a guy like Mark Giordano is just another veteran, uh, you know, in a room full of veterans that can help you push uh, your team over the edge and, and get to that cup final. So I like it. And you know, it's not something Kraken fans should be upset about if it does happen. Uh, here's another question, though. What what do they get in return for Mark Giordano? What can you get in a trade? Well, it's got to be a first-round pick. I think so, too. It's, it has to be. It could even be uh, a first-rounder and maybe a B-minus, C-plus type prospect as well in there. So, um, you know, the Kraken are definitely going to be looking to stockpile as many uh, prospects as possible. Uh, you know, they haven't had many picks, only seven so far in the NHL uh, and not a lot of extra picks, right? Only a, a second or a second, second rounder and a second, fourth rounder that they added on in the expansion. So, um, yeah, I could definitely see it happening. And it's tough to sit here and say who would be the next captain. Uh, if you had to if you had to pick one candidate or two candidates, who, who are you picking? Ooh. I'd probably, I'd possibly go, uh, you know, Jaden Schwartz. They signed him to a long-term deal there, five years. Young guy, leadership group already. Mm-hmm. And another guy, possibly Yanni Gord. You know, really sets the pace of the game, Ooh, pushes everybody, spicy. two-way players. So, you know, leader Leads of both ends example. of the ice. Yep, I like that. Spicy take. I, I had Schwartz would be on my list too. He's a guy who in, in his junior years captain his team, even captain the world junior uh, Canadian team. Uh, so he has leadership abilities. He's, he's shown that. He's been assistant captain with the Blues for a number of years now too. Um, I'm going to throw out this name, Adam Larson. Uh, he signed a, you know, an, a, a fairly long deal, not like super long, eight, seven years or nothing, but uh, I think he could be a guy who could, you know, maybe it's his time to wear, wear a C in the NHL as well. So I th- they definitely have candidates and people who are more than qualified and capable of, of leading the team. So it'll be interesting uh, if they wait till the off season to just make that move. If, and perhaps Mark Giordano, Jan- ah, Mark Giordano does get traded time will tell, but uh, yeah, a young team like this, Kind of makes sense, especially if you're so far out. Pick up that extra first rounder. Giordano is 37 years old. 
Um, he's not going to be on your team forever. If you can get a first rounder for him, uh, you got to go out and do that. To, that's going to help your squad in the long run every time. So, um, yeah, it, it might, it definitely looks like it could happen. All right. Question number two, though. What coach gets can next in the NHL? Oh, I want to say, I want to say Ottawa, but I don't think Melnick will pay another pay two coaches at the same time. <laughs> no. I think, I don't know. kind of, I do think it'll be Ottawa or Montreal. If it's, if the next coach waits until the off season, I could see either one of them really going, but I could see either of them staying as well. My dark horse coach to be fired. Paul Maurice. Ooh. If Winnipeg continues to struggle. Wow, exactly. If they don't up. make playoffs, having one of the league's worst penalty kill. Shit, wasn't expecting to hear that. So they've kind of had a bit of struggles in the playoffs the last couple of years. I mean, they went to the conference finals in 2017, 2018, 2018. I believe they so. They lost yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. then, I mean, since then, have they done anything? You could say they've regressed. Yeah, they lost, you know, some big bodies on D kind of after that. So, and, the, you know, they continued to struggle even this year when we thought, well, I thought for sure, I mean, they'd be the top of the division. So I like it. That's a great pick. That is a great pick. And that is kind of going to uh, lead things into some NHL news for us as well. So let's let's hit up that before the end of this episode, because there's a lot of NHL news that has ha- been happening in the last week, week and a half here. So speaking of those firings, um, Vancouver Canucks, they fired their general manager, President Jim Benning um, and coach Travis Green. So they do that. And then they name Bruce Boudreaux, the new coach. And Jim Rutherford, the interim GM and president. So big moves happening in uh, Vancouver there. Uh, you could pretty much call it happening. I mean, give me your thoughts on this. Oh, that writing was on the wall. Everybody knew it was going to happen. It was, it was literally just a matter like, of when. It wasn't even on the wall. It was chanted in the crowd. Jerseys were getting thrown, which just the stupidest thing if you're a fan, throw a jersey on the ice. You're such a meathead if you do that. So, yeah, I don't like that that's taken off and gotten so many views and shit and such popularity on social media. You just look like I know you just look like such a fool, too. Here's my $200. So, that happens. Give me, uh, give me your thoughts. What do you think of, uh, you know, Bruce Boudreaux being named uh, the new coach? Because, uh, that's the big one. I like it. I think he'll be a nice fit for that dressing room. You know, mostly kind of a young group, especially their core players. So I think he'll be perfect for them. He's sort of a loose coach. Everyone remembers his blow up with the Capitals on 24-7 there. So I think that kind of personality will just blossom in that room. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube right now. Check it out. Uh, Just Bruce Boudreaux laying into uh, the Washington Capitals. (laughs) It's pretty... Pretty awesome to see, but, uh, you know, he's a high scoring type of, you know, high offense structured coach. So I think that's exactly what Vancouver needs right now. If they're going to do anything to try to turn their team around right here. Right. Yeah, exactly. They need to really get Pedersen going and let Hughes just explode. 
And so far, it's been proven to be good for Vancouver. Um, they've won three in a row since he's been behind the bench. So Bruce, uh, there it is. Looks looks like he he's uh, you know really helping turn that ship around. And Bruce Boudreaux, if I believe he is one of the best coaches for uh, winning percentages in in uh, in the season. So he's up there with one of the best winning percentages. He's been on a lot of good hockey teams that he's coached uh, obviously with Washington's where it all started, but um, you know, he's bounced around a bit, found a success in Anaheim as well. And then, you know, had Minnesota a bit of success with Minnesota as well, but then, you know, things kind of dropped off, but when he was there, their lineup wasn't exactly um, top of the line either. So, uh, you know, he's a proven coach, so I think he'll do good things with them. Um, and I do think Travis green is a great coach too, but sometimes it, uh, you just get to the point where, uh, you start to mute the coach and, you know, you just need some kind of refresher in there, but I do think Travis green, Travis green gets, gets another shot, uh, behind an NHL bench, uh, sooner rather than later. So in Ottawa this summer. Whoa, I didn't, you see, I, you know, I'm a sense fan, so I don't think DJ Smith is going anywhere yet. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I think a lot of the things that have been going wrong there is going to be more on the backs of, uh, uh, management. I mean, right now they have $8.4 million playing for the AHL. So, you know, between Matt Murray and, um, Del Zotto, they just sent down. I mean, that's, that's brutal. They got to be brutal, brutal. (laughs) <laughs> you'd think so i think murray's out with an injury so <laughs> Go shocker <figure. laughs> yeah okay so wait some more firings happened too we weren't done there oh boy flyers fire coach elaine Vigneault and assistant coach michael Terrian and name assistant coach mike you interim head coach amidst an eight game losing streak so yeah this kind of felt like it was uh you know, the writing was on the wall as well. Eight game losing streak for this Flyers team. What's your thoughts on it? Oh, I know they don't tolerate soft shit like that in Philadelphia. Are you kidding me? This is the city of the broad street bullies. They hired Mike Yao just to have him fucking flip out like he did at Minnesota Wild that practice at one time, just throwing shit into the stands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And and he's just interim head coach. So, you know, are there any guys out there who uh, I know there's been some rumors on a few who you think who might be a great fit for this Flyers team. Rick Tockett. I'm going to be that guy that just agrees with everybody else on the fucking internet. I don't think there's another guy who's better suited to be in that position than former Flyer Rick Tockett, who, uh, you know, that's where he honed his game as well, too, as. Uh, or, or maybe it was in Pittsburgh where he started. I can't remember. That's almost, that's past my time. And, uh, I'm only 26 here, so, uh, but he's a tough as nails type of player back in the day. He was, you know, that perfect style that the Flyers, uh, you know, made their name around and that they still try to, you know, keep as, you know, their type of style of play. So perfect candidate written all over the wall there, right? Yeah. And in fact, like, I'll be shocked if it's not him. Same, same. I think he's getting that job all day. Uh, Interesting little fact here. Vigneault was just in, only in his third year of a five-year deal too. And he was making $5 million 
per season on that uh, on that contract to be head coach. So talk about Must a bit nice. of an abysmal failure from uh, Elaine Vigneault, who again is a well-respected coach around the league and and has been you know at the top of the coaches lists um for a long time and that's how he got a you know 25 million dollar deal as a as a head coach you don't see that handed out every day so you know he was hired back in 2019 uh, after the flyers parted ways with dave haxtell so uh just an interesting little stat there eh? that uh you know haxtell was fired they uh, they hired Vigneault. And he barely lasted just, you know, the start of his third season and then canned like that. So, yeah, interesting to say the least. But uh, when you're losing eight in a row and you're a team like Philly, who uh, made a lot of good acquisitions in the offseason to to be a top team and you're struggling that much, uh, things have to change. The easiest way to make that change. No, the easiest way is to change your coach. So coaches, that just happens. They take a lot of the the brunt for these uh, eight game losing streaks and these bad streaks and and all that. So, uh, moving right along though, we're gonna fly through some of this uh, uh, NHL news here just because we're pushing this episode pretty long. So, uh, Jason Spezza he got suspended for six games for kneeing Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionk in the head. What'd you think of that one? That looked vicious. Well, I like the rumor going around where they asked him in the hearing. Like if he knew who it was or whatever. And he goes, yeah, I knew who it was. I knew what I was doing. Oh, really? I did not see that or hear about it. That's funny. Uh, That's not, someone who's I mean, like, I'm protecting my teammate. Get over it. Yeah. And I think the blame kind of seems to be going on the refs for letting that game get out of hand a bit. And uh, to be honest, I didn't watch the game. I watched the highlights and then some of those scrums on YouTube to, to see you know, where it all came from. But yeah, those refs kind of let that game get out of hand. Pionk, obviously, what did he do? Slew foot or he needs somebody? He slew uh, foot. Yeah, uh, slew I forget foot. his name. He got, yeah, I, I do too, but uh, he got two games for that. So, um, Sandine? yeah, definitely a, it could have been. Uh, I don't remember though. Do not remember. But yeah, I think this is, that's Spezza's first ever suspension. So, uh, but you, like you said, it's getting appealed. So who knows what it'll end up being. Um, but I mean, it was a clear knee right to the head and you could see his leg just like kind of leaning into his, his head there. So it did look quite vicious and kind of deserving. I think the only other thing Spets has ever done illegally in the league is try to get away with an illegal curve back in, uh, like 15 years ago when he was with Ottawa. So, um, a bit of a shocker from Spezza out of character, I would say. Um, but you, you know, unacceptable in the league. So moving on from that though, the Seattle Thunderbirds selected son of Jerome Ginla. I think it's Tij, Tij. Don't, don't come at me at this one. It's T I J. That's a, it's a, it's a weird name, tough name, but, uh, his son goes ninth overall in the WHL Bantam draft. So that is just, uh, some pretty awesome stuff you're seeing there, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a big boy too. I think I seen he was like 5'10, 195. Yeah, he's got some size already for uh, the Bantam draft. You're still a pretty young kid. What age are you again? I believe uh, you're 14 when you get selected in the Bantam draft. Yeah, 14 years old. So already uh, got good size to him. And, you know, Jerome McGinley is a Hockey Hall of Famer. You know, he 
best player of all time for the Calgary Flames. Uh, I think that's non-arguable, to be honest. Um, I think that's you know, fair. Yep, a guy who I think led the NHL a couple of years in a row with goals as well. Like he's, you know, put up as massive numbers, uh, found success with uh, Hockey Canada, uh, not only with the World Juniors, but, uh, you know, back in 2002 Olympics. And, you know, obviously the on the famous goal. golden goal in the 2010, feeding Crosby. Uh, so, you know, he's had huge moments in his career, been to a cup final, didn't win, though there was controversy there in game six. So you could have been, it was, it was close. It was close, but I mean, exciting for the the people of Seattle, especially if you're a Thunderbirds fan and you go to those games, like uh, you know, you're watching history here. So uh, if you go to those games uh, in the future, definitely be keeping an eye on the, the again, look kid here. That's, that's exciting for Seattle and the, and the Thunderbirds. So kudos to him moving right along to, um, the Coyotes, they were in some turmoil once again, uh, you know, getting shouted out on social media um, from the city of Arizona. Uh, they were threatened by the city of Arizona. Uh, pretty much they got to pay back their their taxes that were due, like, I don't know, 14 months or whatever it was of, of due taxes that went unpaid or they would get locked out of their own barn. What a dumpster fire. Give me your thoughts on that. I feel like this happens every three or four years down in the state of Arizona there. It just seems like they don't want the Colorado or they don't want the Coyotes. Sorry, I said Colorado watching the Avalanche game. (laughs) Fuck. That's all right. (laughs) No, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a a bad relationship between uh, the organization and the city of Glendale. I think I said city of Arizona, but it's city of Glendale. Um, so there's my screw up as well. Uh, you know, apparently it's all been paid, paid out already and they're on top of it, but there was some uh, pretty bad quotes going back and forth uh, between the two. So it uh, looks like it's there's all solved, but button. just get the team out of there. Honestly, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of other places hockey can succeed. Fuck, I put a second team in Seattle and be, do, be doing better. So um, yeah, moving right along. It was worth mentioning though, because you know, it's, it's Arizona and we got a rag on them. All right. Last little note here though, the Seattle Kraken fourth round pick of the 2021 draft, Billy Ottavainen, the big Finnish defenseman, he gets selected to represent his country in the world juniors. So that's exciting. We're going to get to see him and of course, Maddie Benier. So we'll have two prospects in the world juniors coming up. So um, give me your thoughts on uh, Billy Ottavainen and what he's going to bring to that team. Uh, yeah, you know, he's really going to bring some steadiness back there. He's going to mm-hmm. hold it up. We talked about him before being a bit of a defensive guy. So, you know, hopefully I'm assuming he's going to be asked to shut down some top teams, top lines, you know, Canada, assumingly. Yep. Canada States, Czech, Slovaks have some a good looking team. Um, yeah, that's going to be his job, right? He's going to be there killing penalties. Um, we'll see what kind of offense he can bring though. I'm interested because he does have some goals in the Finnish elite league this season and he's been playing against men the whole time. So that's, that's a huge boost, uh, for him to, you know, get that experience. And it's always tougher for a defenseman playing, uh, you know, as a teenager in a men's league, 
versus a forward, I would argue. So, you know, he's been steady, good defenseman there. Um, so that's a, that's a going to be a big boost to Finland's world junior team. So uh, I expect him to be a big, you know, six foot four, big, heavy shutdown defenseman. And, you know, Finland is good at producing those as well. Yeah. Finish D finish goaltending. They seem to be on it. Yeah. And now, you know, the last, what, five or so years, it's the forwards that are just come out of nowhere and you just got these unreal finish forwards now. So Finland's becoming a powerhouse and uh, they got it. They got a stack team going on, going into this world juniors as well. So it's awesome to see uh Viliana Van and be a part of that. And, you know, don't be surprised if they're a team that medals. So uh, I think they're, you know, they're going to be a top team and I just friggin' pumped for world juniors, but uh, yeah, just psyched for it. Can't wait. Pumped to watch it. Pumped for everything. But that pretty much is going to wrap up uh, episode 13 here. We, we went on for a little while. So thanks for everyone uh, for tuning into this one. You know, always join us next week as we break down the next four Kraken games. Plus, keep you up to date with all things Kraken related, NHL news, and anything else that comes up. So uh, thank you once again for joining Durham. Have a good one. You too, brother. And have a great week, crackheads, and we'll talk to you guys later. Ciao for now.